This episode is brought to you by Connect. Connect helps small businesses connect with suppliers and get customized quotes for free. Learn more at kinnek.com slash heritage. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good evening and welcome to Fun Men About, about it. it on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Mary Izette. I'm Chris Kuzmi. And we're your co-hosts through this weekly journey of all things fermented. Archived on Stitcher, iTunes, and right here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. It has been a very, very fun week. Um, we had a really, I, there was a really great event over the weekend that we're going to get to in a second. But first, let's talk about the future. Uh, coming up, we have uh, Beer for Beasts on October 15th. It is basically an event. It's the fifth year in the running. Six Point teams up with collaborators to celebrate dozens of unique beers served at Beer for Beasts in Brooklyn, New York. These small batch one-time offerings are formulated exclusively for the Beer for Beasts event. Uh, I brewed a beer with them uh, with my partner Dave Sharfstein of Fifth Hammer Brewing company and uh, we're really excited to serve it there uh you can go to beerforbeasts.com to buy tickets and find out more information uh all the proceeds from this go to benefit the humane society of new york um and uh it is a really good event a really interesting event a really inspiring event and uh for us representing ourselves as fifth hammer even though we're not open as a brewery uh, we're excited to do that because uh in today's life of fifth hammer i went to the building department this morning and we're still sorting that out so we haven't even been able to start building this thing we've got this location i moved a piano in there the other day so i sit there with my lonesome playing piano and i'm waiting for the dop it's a very exciting but miserable existence we'll get there soon it's a very <laughs> welcome to the life of a brewery owner oh god so, I just want to make the music, man. All right, anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, yep. I am going to get a pink trombone for the house, too. So if anybody wants to come over and play some trombone. Uh, anyway. Versus is an event put on by the Bruminaries, also on the 15th, Saturday, October 15th at 1 p.m. If you are really looking to have a great time that day, you could go to Versus in the afternoon and then hit Beer for Beast in the evening. Versus is going to take place at the well, Bruminaries are a homebrew club in the neighborhood. They're pretty. There, I think they're right now. They're the uh, the most active New York City homebrew club. Well, the largest, attended. largest. That's largest what, yeah, I think that's what I mean. The, as far as like the largest attendance, uh, most active members. Um, but they're. They, they, they describe this event as the Bruminaries are putting up their best versions of beers in an epic competition of styles. Beers from different sides of the world will compete for the ultimate bragging rights and perhaps even settle long-standing feuds. Join them for unlimited examples of over 24 different styles of beer for the ultimate beer event. Uh, you can go to bruminaries.com slash versus. Uh, tickets are $30 early, pre-order $35 at $40 at the door uh, in Bushwick. Um, and then just before that, Kelly Taylor and I, as I uh, said, we both don't have homes that we're brewing at yet. Uh, on October 13th, we're going on, we're getting an old school New York City trolley and rolling around uh, some of the newer breweries here in New York. Uh, so we're going to start actually at Folks Bear. We're going to go to Strong Rope Brewing Company, Kings County Brewers Collective, uh, and Interboro. 
um, and we're Spirits and Ales, and we're stoked to do that. You can go to New York NYC nycraftbeerguide.com slash events and you can find information on that and uh, that is basically $40 for the trolley you get a sample of every, each one of those meet all the brewers uh, 6pm to 10pm on Thursday the 13th this weekend is GABF the Great American Beer Festival in Denver, Colorado it is the 6th through the 8th so you know if you're going because it sold out pretty much immediately I believe mm-hmm. as usual Chris and I are missing it for the first time in a few years we're kind of sad but but happy anniversary yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's right, engagement anniversary. Anyway, if you are going, especially for the first time, we have two episodes to help guide you. Episode 90 and episode 132. Our good friend Chris O'Leary from Brew York, New York, stopped in and chatted with us. He's been to, I don't know, a lot of GABFs, and mm-hmm. he has a really good strategy. And it can be overwhelming, so uh, have fun if you're going and, and you know, drink some tasty beers. Uh also this weekend, if you're in New York City and attending New York Comic Con, which is the second largest uh, event in New York City behind the auto show. Is it really? Yeah, 170,000 people attended last year. So if you're there on Sunday, I will be um, working at the Brooklyn Brewery booth. So Brooklyn Brewery create, created uh, the official beer of Comic Con, Br- Brooklyn Defender IPA. I have actually not, I don't think I've tasted this year's. They change it up every year. Um, I haven't tasted this year's yet, but I'm looking forward to doing so. So if you are at New York Comic Con this Sunday, please come by the Brooklyn Brewery booth and say hi. I think that's it. That's Is that all it? I got. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So the, the home brewsitions, you know, we live, we live to play. Uh, we either get, we charge $2,000 per hour per man or free beer. Usually people give us free beer. I'm not sure why, but we are not complaining. We love, we love really, uh, it, as long as it's good beer. Uh, so we played at Poor Mania 3, uh, an annual fundraiser put on by uh, Poor Standards, uh, Staten Island's uh, Homebrew Club. And one of the cool things they have coming up for their in-club competition is a competition or in-club activity. They are having a competition of beers brewed with cereal. And a couple of the the guys had sneak peeks of these. And I was so overwhelmed. I had to to find out, uh, you know, what some of these people were thinking. Without further ado, I present uh, Cereal Brewers from Poor Standards Homebrew Homebrew Club on Staten Island. This is Paul Camargo. We're at the VP from Poor Standards Brew Club. We're at Flagship Brewery. We're uh, having we're at Poor Mania. We're drinking all kinds of good stuff, but we have a special uh, cereal challenge with the club that I came up with. Uh, everybody had to pull out of a hat a different cereal. Uh, I got corn pop, so I made a corn pop malt liquor called 40 Ounces to Freedom. So it's uh, basically a adjunct beer. So it's corn, flake maize, and corn pop. With six row and two row for uh, for the malt, and it's just basically a forty ounce malt liquor. So drink up. I wanted to put it in forties, but we're serving it out of a cake today. Hey, how's it going, Eric Blaine, uh, New Jersey member, of Poor Standards. Go figure that one out. I'm here at uh, Poor Mania 2016 today, pouring my two grape nuts beers. This was a ten gallon split batch that I brewed. Uh, so. Single mash, single boil with two pounds of grape nuts in a 10-gallon batch along with Munich, Pilsner, some Munich, and um, a little
little bit of uh, Abbey and uh, C180 malt. And uh, after boil, I split this batch, and half of it got 3470 lager yeast. And I did a fast lager with that, and that became the Vienna Grape Nuts Lager. The other half got a pound of dark Belgian candy syrup, and that became a Belgian double. The idea of both beers was to play off of the malty, bready notes of the grape nuts. So the Vienna Lager, a little bit caramelly, a little bit sweet, uh, but hopped like a Vienna Lager. Vienna Lager is the hoppiest of the standard strength German lagers, so the intent was to have those hops help balance out the bready sweetness. Uh, good beer. Still needs a little bit of time to mellow out, but I think it's drinking pretty well today. Uh, the Belgian doubles are drinking quite a bit different. That's a Belgian Ardennes yeast that was fermented, started at 66, made its way to 75. It's got a mix of dark fruit notes, bready malty flavor, and some spicy and clove phenolics from that Belgian yeast. Uh, also drinking pretty well today, but also probably needs some time. So, good beers. Uh, hoping we have some left. And uh, that's it. Hey guys, uh, my name is Dan Cavanaugh. I'm a New York City fireman, also a home brewer with Poor Standards, uh, which is a beautiful club that does a lot of charity work here on Staten Island. And uh, we uh, had yet another successful charity event, which is Poor Mania. This is our third annual. And um, this year I decided to uh, make a brown ale. We were given a, a challenge to uh, come up with a cereal-based uh, beer, and uh, so I was given the, uh, I was assigned Cocoa Puffs, uh, which, you know, isn't too bad of a uh, beer to be assigned, and I decided to go with a brown ale, which, you know, was kind of predictable, but I, you know, wanted to play it a little safe, and uh, it was a uh, five-gallon batch, it was a 13 and a half pound total grain bill, and uh, I think it came out great, it was, uh, it's very opaque beer, and uh, it finished up around six and a half, maybe actually be a little bit higher because uh, I wasn't really sure how the cocoa puffs were going to affect, uh, you know, the the outcome of the beer. So I actually pulled back a little uh, of the brown sugar that I was adding into the uh, into the mash and. Uh, Regardless, uh, it finished up pretty clean, and uh, very good drinking beer. Uh, actually, in fact, all the beers that are here, there's approximately about 30 beers uh, that me and my friends all brewed up, you know, out of our own uh, pockets, for all for a great cause. And uh, very excited. Look out for Brew for Autism, which is coming up uh, in late January, early February. That's always another sold-out event that we have. Again, all for charity. Uh, and uh, that's it. Poor standards. Rock on. I'm here with Patrick Patrick Wade of Poor Standards. Uh, all the other interviews you've heard thus far have been uh, kind of not interviews uh, because it was quiet. It was not very quiet in there, and it was easy to do that. But Patrick Wade is a, it's kind of interesting. This place we are in between uh, uh, Joe and Pro. Uh, so Patrick Wade, dude. First of all, you've been making killer beers for for a long time, Mary and I. Are are big fans and uh, thank you for doing what you do and making life taste better uh, tell us about your cereal beer first and then let's talk about uh, future plans okay I didn't make well <laughs> me and Rachel it's Rachel cereal beer so Rachel we did a as a club uh, who is Rachel Rachel's my wife oh yeah she's so sweet she is <laughs> uh, so uh, we did a club challenge kind of a 
you know, a lot of it we did, we've done yeast experiments and grain experiments and all that and hops and all that. And that that's all great. We love that. But we thought we'd, sometimes we do fun stuff. So one of the, you know, previous uh, challenge we did was we took the Denicon, Drew Beecham book, and everyone just picked a recipe and kind of went with it and did what they could with it. Um, this one, we, uh, I don't know what, somehow we got in our brains to use cereal, like breakfast cereals. So uh, we had a club meeting. Everyone picked out of a hat and if you didn't like your cereal you could go back and pull again so and then you could trade you could trade as well so uh you know people like i was dreading apple jacks that was probably the worst yeah. thing of, of all time but uh <laughs> our buddy you know one of the club members terrence got it and he said i'm sticking with it i'm gonna do it uh rachel got cookie crisp so uh, when we were talking uh, you know we were talking about what we wanted to do and well, what she wanted to do and she's like i want to make a stab so put together, to, uh, you know, the two of us put together a, a milk stout recipe. Uh, we used a pound of cookie crisp, went into the beer. Some in the mash, some in the boil. Um, and it came out pretty well. I think it was, it was really murky and disgusting. The first maybe like gallon out of that keg was kind of gross, but it's really delicious now. I really am very happy with how it came out. I, myself, I got um, cinnamon toast crunch. And I made it a few weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, and it's just not ready, so I didn't have it in time. But, but the, this one is delicious, and it, it is pouring lovely, and yes. there weren't any, any uh, you say it was murky and disgusting, but let's talk about it flavor profile-wise. Yeah. Was, was that getting in the way of the flavor, and, and what would you do different if you were on the same timeline? Or would you? Is it, is it, yeah. is it like pectin, or is it like, it's just no, haze? I think it is. I think it's, it's not even pectin, but... It's yeah. whatever, it's whatever unnatural stuff's going in that cereal. It, I think that's what was going on in that beer for a while, because it all kind of sunk down to the bottom of the keg, the sludge. Of, right. It was cookie crisp sludge. We're talking like, protein chains that did not yeah, drop exactly, out. exactly, exactly. Uh, so, did you use findings on it? We did. And, and we, did. we did, yeah, yeah. It was a... Uh, the fermenter looked funky. The keg, like I said, the keg looked funky, but it's good now. It's, it's, uh, it's, I'm very happy with that. It is freaking delicious. Yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, among my favorite that are that are here, uh, yeah. but they're all really good. And they're all, it's, it's, as an experiment, is really great. I mean, uh, beer is cereal that yeah. uh, could, could convert it to other things, and, and treating it all is totally fine. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I love doing the, the experiments that help us learn, but you know, home brewing is also supposed to be fun. So it's good to do one of these fun challenges of this one as well. Absolutely. I'm just happy everyone made good beers with it. I was kind of worried because when I saw Rachel's, I was like, shit. This is going to be a problem. We're all going to have terrible beers. Speaking of challenging, it's hard to open a brewery. Uh, what, yeah. what, what are you doing right now? We're in the process of opening a brewery. We, uh, we have ordered um, the equipment. We have a space. We're supposed to be signing the lease and doing all that stuff and filing for licensing and that's all creeping up very fast and it's scary exciting all of that you know it's uh, something we're all looking forward to is there a name how do we follow it what's it? do you have a is there a story behind it uh, currently that, you, that you'd like to discuss sure, or should yeah, we just yeah. we'll dedicate a whole episode later yeah, of fun. course but, uh, so but let's let's get some preview action it's Killsborough Brewing Company the name is based on uh, you know one of the partners Sean Torres uh, very delicious uh, makes very delicious beer Sean is also very delicious. Hey, he, oh, 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 hey, hey, oh, my ears are buzzed. <laughs> but he made a cereal beer too, so we'll be talking about it. He did. He made, a, he made a granola beer. So he took a, his usual ESP recipe and added granola to it. 
It's a bit young. He made it 10 days ago. And for 10 days old, I think it tastes pretty damn good. Uh, right on. This is the first beer that we'll have two perspectives on it. I'll yeah, talk yeah. to Sean in a second. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, so, so Killsboro. That's yeah. awesome. We've been talking to Sean for a while. So Killsboro was, uh, you know, it's a, he, he came up with a name. It's, uh, you know, Staten Island was uh, the, the, the German uh, brewers from way back when. They used the fresh kill water to make their beers. So that's where the name come from, comes from. We're a, a, a borough of kills. Um, you know, we're going to be doing very small batches. I think we're, our system is going to be five to ten barrels. Uh, and we're going to be doing a lot of different beers, you know, probably 40, you know, 30 to 40 beers probably the first year. Different beers. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, yeah. So we're uh, still, fight, you know, getting recipes together. We're, you know, we were very, I think we're ready to open with, we have our beers that are probably ready to open with. Um, but we're still working on some things that we think would be uh, good for the New York City beer culture. It's awesome. So, my name is Terrence O'Brien, uh, a member of Poor Standards Max Early, uh, one of the officers, I'm a secretary in the uh, club. And so, we, we did this challenge, this cereal challenge, uh, basically just threw a bunch of cereal names in a hat, pulled them out randomly, and actually in the lead up to this experiment, we kept saying that we feel really bad for whoever draws Apple Jacks, that it had to be the worst one you could get. Um, and of course, I reached into the hat and pulled out Apple Jacks. Uh, I was offered the opportunity to to throw it back in and pick something else and I refused I, I took it as like a personal challenge that I had to do this I had to make a drinkable beer with Apple Jacks um, and so I, st I started thinking about it a lot I knew I couldn't do anything crazy bitter I couldn't do an IPA it probably wouldn't really work um, but I didn't want to go the straight heavy uh, stout uh, approach that a lot of the chocolate beers were probably going to end up going so I made a uh, in quotes stout and really uh, went with a heavy body. Uh, there's like a pound of lactose and I want to say a pound and a half of oatmeal in the mash to really get that like thick, creamy body going. Um, and, you know, didn't want to carb it too much so that you still get uh, a lot of that mouthfeel. It just kind of lingers around. Um, and I also took the cereal and decided that rather than put it in the mash and uh, try and pull out the fermentable sugars, I would end up treating it like a hop. So I looked for hops that would help play up the fruitiness and some of the spiciness of the Apple Jacks, and I landed on Calypso, uh, which has like the, the, this green apple, kind of light peppery overtones to it. Uh, didn't use any bittering hops, did it all aroma and flavor hops, so I think it was a half ounce at 15 minutes and a half ounce at one minute, and then I used the Apple Jacks at flame out, just a whole box. I want to say it was about a pound. I put it in a bag like I was uh, doing brew in a bag and steeped it in the pot at the end like a tea bag, let it sit there for about five minutes, uh, and then pulled it out and started uh, chilling it. And honestly, the body's there, everything I wanted. I do kind of, it's only 4%, so it's super sessionable. Um, I didn't want it to be anything crazy again. wanted something that you could drink relatively easy. Um, and it came out, honestly, surprisingly good. Um, I wish the Apple Jacks came out a little bit more at the end of the day. Maybe I would have added a little bit more at Flame Out to try and really get some of that cinnamon flavor, some of that apple pie spice that's really like the overwhelming flavor of Apple Jacks. It's a little, a little bit more fruity than spicy, I think, at the end of the day. Um, but for the most part, I'm kind of happy with it. I think more Apple Jacks would have helped. Um, the, only, the only other thing that I was a little bit disappointed in is the color. I was really trying to get that like orange red Applejack color out of it. Um, 
I knew I wasn't going to be able to get that really iridescent, unnatural color, but uh, it, it, it's a little more yellow than orange, uh, so I, I'd have to mess with the grain bill, I think, a little bit to really get that orange color out of it. But, uh, you know, honestly, at the end of the day, pretty happy with how it turned out. Connect helps small businesses connect with suppliers online and get customized quotes for free. From research to purchase, we've helped thousands of craft producers find the best prices and suppliers for their business. Browse research, purchasing guides, or equipment and supplier reviews. Request and compare quotes from multiple suppliers in one place. Store your conversations online and purchase with confidence. Connect is here to help you manage purchasing the easy way. Supplier? Connect can help you connect with customers at the push of a button. It's the perfect solution, whether you're looking to scale or get a new product off the ground. See how our marketplace can help your business grow today. Buy or sell smarter on Connect. It's purchasing made painless. To learn more, visit us at connect.com slash heritage. That's K-I-N-N-E-K dot com slash heritage. Poor Sanders annual fundraiser, Poor Mania 3, uh, which is a fundraiser for the club and also to get things prepped for the annual big fundraiser, uh, Brew for Autism. This whole club, Poor Sanders, was started by our friend Sean Torres, who we are lucky enough to be with right now. Um, and we're going to talk to Sean Torres. First of all, tell us about Poor Sanders. Sure. Uh, the club was founded in uh, 2012 um, by myself and Phil Gardner. Um, we looked around. There weren't really. There were like a few clubs that were were you know either casual or on their way out. You know, members moving, and uh, we wanted to you know uh, create something uh, on Staten Island uh, for the homebrewers here that we knew um, you know uh, brewed beer, but but didn't have a community supporting it. Um, so we started meeting in uh, January of 2012 monthly, and uh, you know we've since grown to about uh, 40 members, and um, and yeah, and since then we've put on events like Reportism, Pormania, uh, participated in uh, Brunity events, and so on and so forth. So we'd like to think we're the uh, you know the, the one and only homebrew club, premier homebrew club on Staten Island. So. You speak of Brunity, and you, you are also, uh, by trade, you are a very talented graphic artist and thank came you. up with the logo for Brunity, and so thank you for that. Oh, it's no, freaking it's, awesome. It's... I love your work. Uh, I'm a fan. <laughs> thank you. Um, uh, you've also been doing some work for uh, for a brewery called uh, called Killsboro, which uh, which is pretty cool, and we'll talk about that in a second. But first, yeah. let's talk about the Serial Challenge, which is the theme of this uh, segment yes. of this show yes. currently. So uh, your club, you do random experiment, experiments. Uh, you have a great, you've built a great community. Your website also has, has a forum on, unto itself yes. where you talk 
with all sorts of different things. So the organization of course standards, I have to commend um, uh-huh. as loudly as possible because because you. Uh, you guys do a really great job all, all around. Um, but this challenge, uh, what did you pick from the hat? All right, so I got granola, simple granola, <laughs> um, which I was initially a little disappointed with. Um, but everyone on the club seemed excited. They're like, oh, granola is awesome. I mean, you know, it, it's it's oats and uh, other grains that you know you sometimes use in brewing anyway. Um, when I went to actually purchase the granola, I, I went with the honey oats and, and raisins, just so I can get a little bit more character out of it. Um, and um, I decided that that cereal was a good base for something like an ESP. So I brewed uh, my ESP, which I tweaked a little bit. Uh, Bitter and Esther's actually has this new uh, floor-malted uh, Maris Otter, uh, which I wanted to try. So threw that in, a few other uh, traditional English ingredients, and uh, threw the granola in the last 15 minutes of the mash. Um, wasn't really looking for conversion, just trying to pull whatever flavor I could out of it. And um, and that was it. I threw about two boxes in because we, we brewed 10 gallons on our, our pilot system. And... Um, and yeah, and it is a little hint, a little hint of granola in the ESP. Yeah, man, it's cool. But uh, but it's it's definitely complimentary, and, and I'm happy with it. So granola comes in a lot of different forms. What uh, what was your base granola, or what did you, what was your approach with with that? When 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 you think of granola, what emotes? And so there's a weird rule, not weird. Mm. I, I just learned of the rule from okay. Patrick actually about about Patrick uh, knows this, a lot of culinary stuff. Well, no, I mean about the the rule for for the for this challenge. Okay, like everybody had to use at least one pound. Yes, of of the cereal or or like a full box of whatever cereal it was, yeah. but granola comes big, small, yes. and comes in many different forms. There's no one standard granola. Yes. So yeah. what are the rules when it came to your challenge? What I mean, was it, I mean, you could have a granola that's just toasted oats, right? Yes, or yes. Whatever. So what were your limitations or or minimum? I think, I think, I think in, in, with the with in regards to the club and it being collaborative, though I was assigned the the granola. Obviously, you know, the, the, I'm brewing it for the club to taste to see how this cereal interacts with the beer. Uh, so actually, it was pretty transparent, and, and I spoke to um, we have a Google Hangouts that we talk to pretty frequently on, and uh, you know, just throwing ideas out there. Like, listen, I got simple granola. I don't think simple granola is enough. Um, what if I use something like uh, honey? Uh, Toasted almonds, honey, and raisins—I think it was something like that—and and and obviously the 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 one of the base grains in that is oats, which is you know which which helps add a little bit of the body of the beer. Um, but yeah, so we spoke a little bit about it, and they were all on board because they said, you know what, that's going to probably pull the most flavor. You know what I think of usually when I when I eat any cereal, whether and and listen, there's like anything else. There's health foods, and then there are foods we think are healthy, right? And granola is kind of like that. You can get healthy granola, and then you can get granola that has, you know, uh, uh, M&M's in it, and all this other, you know, uh, not so great stuff for you. Um, I was trying to shoot for the sweeter stuff, so, um, in my head, what I remember growing up with granola is just any sugary, you know, granola that my parents would buy that the right. kids would love, so, that's kind of like where I went with it. Dig it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of went with it, where are you going with your life? What the hell is going on? Uh, tell me about, <laughs> tell me about Killsboro and, sure. and, the, and the path to this. Um, you are in Insightful, you're a critical, you, you pay attention to your palate, you're a fast learner, and, and so the whole, all, and, Thank you. and uh, there's, we are really excited about what's to come for Staten Island. Yeah. Are you born and raised Staten Island? Uh, I was actually born in Brooklyn, Sunset Park. Uh, moved out here when I was about six years old with the family, uh, and been here ever since. Um, and, you know, I started brewing with Phil back in uh, 2007. And, uh, you know, it was something that kind of just evolved over time. And, um, you know, we always played with the idea of opening up a brewery. And uh, through the club, we were able to meet a, a lot of great brewers, one being Patrick Wade. And this kind of, I mean, it would be hard to pinpoint the process and, and what happened, but it evolved into this thing where the three of us were brewing together and, um, 
and we had this idea for a brewery and uh, uh, Vinny Lima from the Craft House who's the owner of the Craft House who's doing great things in regards to bringing craft beer to Staten Island uh, caught wind and was like you know I want to be a part of this what can we do to get this going and that was kind of our first step towards you know what it's, it's time to actually realize uh, this dream of ours and uh, you know the last year and a half we did a lot of planning prepping fundraising and we've reached the point where uh, we actually put a down payment on our equipment so and actually yesterday uh, we received a picture from the manufacturers of our custom bright tank so uh, they look good they yeah look yeah good. yeah we're excited uh, yeah yeah so you know we, we we're gonna be putting a 10 barrel brew house uh, at the craft house uh, we're gonna be brewing um, you know a lot of different specialty beers we're not subscribing to one particular style I think we're projected for the first year to do about 40 different beers and uh, you know and the idea is just to kind of go with the flow you know we're, yeah. we're evolving poor standards we didn't know where, where the club would go and we just kind of went with it we don't we're, we're passionate about making beer, and Killsboro is, is going to be our commercial product of that, and we're going to see where it goes. I think it's worthy of a lot of excitement. In, in, from my perspective, uh, I, you know, I, as, as my history, we, we used to, I had to brew all the beer yeah. that we served at, at the last place I worked yeah. uh, in the city. Um, but in conjunction with the craft house, you're able to supplement that with, with commercial beer. Yeah. So you can be Killsboro, have fun, brew the things you want to make, and, and trust that if, if, it, if there happens to not be uh, something that somebody else might like, that, they, that the establishment themselves yes. or the partnership can, 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 can make that happen. So it's a really beautiful thing that, that you're going to have a lot of freedom with, yes. and it's going to be really awesome, and uh, I just can't wait to see what uh, sort of inspiration, creativity, uh, and uh, the continuance of your already or already thank proven uh, ingenuity is going to, going to produce. So, yeah. Sean Torres, thanks for Thanks for being you, and uh, we look forward to having all of you from Killsboro on Ferment about it in the future when, when we're closer to, to Roland. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Thanks for being We'd the love third brewery in, in, uh, in Staten Island, dude. Yeah, we're excited, and, and, you know, hats off to the other breweries as well, Staten Island Beer Co. and Flagship. You know, it, it's it's happening here, so we're, we're happy to be a part of it. We're up. Cheers. So, Ferment right. about it. <laughs> Sounds good, man. <laughs> My name is Matt McCaleb. Uh, I've been a, a member of Poor Standards now for uh, about two and a half years. Probably been brewing for about uh, <laughs> probably been brewing for about three years. Uh, today I made candy ass cream ale. It is a cream ale brewed with Lucky Charm cereal. Uh, this is part of a beer experiment where we were kind of forced into drawing out of a hat, and I happen to get probably the worst possible uh, outcome of that, Lucky Charm cereal. The beer itself actually turned out pretty good. Uh, I know this because I got a couple repeat offenders here. Uh, drinking the beer, coming back. It's a little high in alcohol, about 7%, so I, I see them getting a little bit more wobbly each time they come back, but I don't mind that at all. So overall, I think it's a great success. And, uh, you know, thank you for coming by and trying it. How did you use the Lucky Charms? So the Lucky Charms is actually put into the mesh. I put an entire an entire box of Lucky Charms, one pound, right into the beginning of the mesh, kind of hoping that it would, uh, you know, convert right there, and hopefully I wouldn't be left with all the weird marshmallow flavors. I just heard actually from Patrick Wade that there was a rule to this, and uh, that, uh, all the other interviews didn't include this, but the rule was you weren't allowed to use anything that emoted the cereal except the cereal. So, for example, Cinnamon Crunch, you couldn't use, you couldn't use cinnamon to make it taste like it. You had to use the cereal to accent it. I think you did a really good job. You picked a really great base beer to make this beer. Uh, it tastes marshmallow, it's fluffy, it is beautiful. 
well done. I just Thank you very much. And uh, that rule, while I think it's great, I don't think it applies to me because I don't know how it makes something taste more marshmallowy. But thank you very much. Hey, what's up? Uh, my name's Niall Toner. I'm a Bruminary and also a Poor Standards member. I brewed a beer called the Irish Cheerio, which is the Irish goodbye, but I used Honey Nut Cheerios. Um, substituted uh, Honey Nut Cheerios, a pound of it, for uh, one of my base malts. I thought I'd come out with like a four or five, but there's a ton of sugar in that shit, so it came out at about five, four. Um, came out like a decent brown ale, something I would drink, but nothing like Honey Nut Cheerios, so I decided to Randall it um, through Honey Nut Cheerios, and the end product was by far the worst beverage I've ever tasted in my life. <laughs> it just stripped all the sugar off it and left probably the generic Toastios in the Randall or whatever you get there. But um, super excited about it. It's great, but none of the beers taste like cereal. <laughs> well, he says that, but actually the Irish Cheerio, without going through the Randall, tastes freaking delicious. And there is a Cheerio note, but not the same sort of Cheerio note that you get from THP. Uh, and uh, when sours, I don't, haven't had the time there to do it. But it, it's a delicious beer. You did a great job, and thank you, Ben. That was an awesome event to hang, and I wish I could be there for the actual competition because there were more cereal beers that uh, weren't uh, that we didn't get a sneak peek in on. So, Mary, I think the 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 meeting is next week. If you want to go to Staten Island, oh, hop man. on that ferry. Uh, I'm sad. I didn't get to go Saturday. I was under the weather, fighting a cold, uh, so I stayed home and slept and hung out on the couch. But uh, man, it sounded awesome. It Those was, Staten it was Island guys are and the home and gals are it. great crowd. <laughs> also, I got to say, if you're not in New York City, that was a really good uh, collection of, of New York City accents, <laughs> which is no doubt. awesome. No doubt, it's kind of you hear on TV and movies. These are the real things. Uh, all right. So our last segment is a pre-tape from the Boston Fermentation Festival, which, which we went to, la- was it last month? Yes. Yeah. And awesome. So uh, we have two more. Well, I, a little over a month ago. It was uh, late August, August 28th. Our last two interviews. Catching up with old friends. Uh, we, you will not hear these voices again. Uh, this is uh, Kuzmi and Mary signing out. Thanks for listening to Men About It. Uh, but here's Derek Dillinger, Chris Strait. the Boston Fermentation Festival. Speak, catching up with Chris Strait. Hello. Formerly from Brooklyn Kombucha, now with Urban Farm Fermentary. That's right. So tell us how it's going. Well, uh, I pulled into Urban Farm Fermentary in an effort to deal more with ready-to-drink beverages uh, and their fermentation and kind of just seeing the fruits of my liver be more in uh, things that people consume immediately. Uh, so I was brought on to do June, which is a honey-based kombucha, uh, as well as kind of start and spearhead with, with Anna, a food fermentation program. Uh, so, you know, I've had my eye on Urban Farm for, for a while just because I, you know, they're, they make amazing kombucha and amazing products across the board, cider, mead, kombucha, as well as now, uh, Gruit. Uh, and I I just just had his Gruit in New York City Yes. Well, I don't remember where, but oh, yeah. at the Bar Great Harry ninth uh, anniversary. Absolutely. Yeah, we're getting down to New York City as well. But I was just so blown away by his products for so many years that I, I really uh, thought it was right for me to move up and, and get into doing that. So awesome. So what have you guys been playing with up there so far? What so you got in your 
A lot of what we're playing with very recently is uh, is fermented foods, so especially sauerkraut. Um, trying to wrap my brain around the intricacies of uh, cucumber pickling. Not my favorite food to ferment, but still delicious if you can get it right. Um, uh, the June program is launching, you know, as we speak at Urban Farm, uh, as well as we've been making a lot of tempeh. Um, so that's going to be a big thing. Like we're really blown away with with tempeh, and there's kind of a lack of knowledge as far as tempeh goes. But like, because you know, when you go to the store and you get that double L brand at, at Whole Foods or wherever, and it's just like pasteurized tempeh, that kind of thing, and. You know, I've eaten that tempeh. It's not what tempeh tastes like when it's fresh at all. So we're making a lot of that. We're, we're using local Maine beans. So we're reaching out to uh, local bean farmers in Maine to make temp uh, tempeh from from those. Cool. That's awesome. From soybeans or from other beans? Not soybeans, no. So we're, right now we're experimenting. We really like um, Yellow Eye. Uh, Jacob's Cattle, European Soldier are some of the main ones we're working with right now. Are these more like heirloom kind of old? Heirloom, old exactly. School? Yeah. Okay, so cool. these are beans that have like a story behind them, yep. um, which is super like riveting for me. Like, yeah. like if we can do that, like we're urban farm fermentary. Like we're trying to get so much of our stuff is is sourced locally and used to flavor our products. Um, but if we can get into things that you wouldn't even think about, like like we're using local barley uh, in in our beers and things like that. So jumping into beans, and if you know if there are you know local rice farmers, like please bring it to me. You can turn that into tempeh as well. So uh, there's really a lot of space to explore, and that's what has always made me so excited about fermentation. Yeah, yeah. Is, awesome. is there a history of making tempeh with these beans, or are you guys Not kind of all. trying a new thing? As far as I know, zero zero history. But you can make it from anything that's starchy. So, you know, you can use sweet potatoes or rice or, you know, uh, other legumes like uh, like lentils. So talk a little like bit about, actually. yeah, talk a little bit what tempeh is for those that don't know. So you inoculate tempeh with a, uh, what is essentially a mold spore, yeah. So uh, it's koji, isn't it? or something rhizopus oligosporus is, is what, okay. what comes to my mind. And, and you, you generally order these spores from Indonesia, which is where I ordered mine from. Once you get it going, you can kind of create your own starter, that kind of thing. But um, you essentially soak and then cook till they're still kind of al dente as far as, like, beans go. And then you mix them with vinegar as well as these spores. And you let them sit pretty much at 89 degrees uh, in a semi-moist environment. You can put them in a bag and poke holes in the bag. Um, and after 24 to 48 hours, generally my experience, like, 24 hours is plenty of time for you to make a nice very mold congealed um, bag of tempeh uh, and so that's and this tempeh. is a healthy mold this is absolutely it's a healthy mold it's a good mold. kind of yeah, mold yeah. It's, it's not the stuff that's you know making you feel ill for days and right, days on end right, right. it makes you feel very well and it hits that protein uh, note that so many fermentations don't necessarily have the ability to do right. without using meat right so it has like an umami aspect exactly and it has fiber as well exactly oh thing, like, fiber huge about you know tofu and some other kind of soy bean products absolutely and tempeh and also i feel like tempeh has a really nice texture so the texture you know and you know when we'll fry it like this morning we had chickpea tempeh uh and it was, they were already split uh and so we we fried that up and it tasted like hash browns yeah. it's like a new way to have hash browns yeah. so very eye-opening. People taste it for the first time, and they're just like, wow, yeah. how is this happening? I've never tasted this before. 
Um, and then, you know, we make our own vinegars at Urban Farm Fermentary. So we're going to start doing, like, you know, we have a vinegar that we've made with oregano, let's say. And so we're using an oregano vinegar to start these tempeh's. Making our own vinegar, it's, it's really opening our eyes to, like, the ferments, like, the security of ferments. Like it's Straight up, we make we take our our mead, we turn it into vinegar, we just let it chill out essentially, and then we exactly, and then we will take fresh or dried herbs, and we will um, we will put them straight in the mead. You can even let that sit for a day, and like I just did a bee ball mead the other day. I said I let, I let it sit for a day, and the bee ball mead or the bee ball mead vinegar tastes. Exactly like bee balm, cool. and then you can use that to flavor your tempeh. That's so awesome. I'm all kind of about like this like circuitous way to to think about fermentation, yeah. which has got me thinking about a number of other things. Uh, That's awesome, especially with tempeh. Like, imagine like the the whole Willy Wonka's thing, you know, where you have a whole <laughs> pot roast or a whole meal in a piece of candy. Imagine eating a piece of tempeh that tastes like Thanksgiving. That's the whole awesome. thing all at once. So that's well, kind of what we're I doing am so glad. Yeah, I am so glad that uh, we ran into you. Yes, and me too. And super exciting that you have joined Eli at Urban Farm for yeah. We still haven't been up there, but hopefully we'll get up there one day. Otherwise, I look forward to tasting some of the stuff that comes out. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you, Mary. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. Hello, and we are at the Boston Fermentation Festival, and we're here to catch up with Derek Dillinger, who was uh, the author of The Fermented Man. We had him on a couple of months ago at this point, and uh, by now the book has come out. So uh, how are you doing? Uh, I'm holding up. Uh, Promoting the book is uh, a little easier so far than living off of fermented food for a year. (laughs) So I'm getting to do some pretty fun things. I've done a bunch of workshops. Uh, I've done some readings now, which actually are... As an author, I'm finding readings are actually the hardest thing to do. Just like standing there, staring at your book, (laughs) reading it in front of people is like the least natural thing that I've had to do so far. I don't know why. I'm much more comfortable doing workshops and, uh, you know, speaking in front of people than I'm just reading off the book. But struggled through, uh, you know, all sorts of promotional events. Fermentation books are cool because you can promote it in so many different ways. And there's so many people interested in it. I've done readings where bunch of people showed up and the proprietor of the bookshop was like really surprised like you know she had no idea who i was no one knows who i am i'm a first-time author like i'm not famous people show up just because fermentation is so in right now so it's great to see how interested people are really in this right now so you mentioned when we ran into you earlier you mentioned you just got back from oregon right yeah um i've gotten to do some traveling um i was in Asheville for a bit both for ken falls we were brewing a, a collab with a brewery down there called uh burial um, and uh, you know, did a little like kind of pop up thing at the brewery to sell my book and talk to people. And there's like a fermentation club forming down there, uh, so that was a nice little trip. And then I took myself on a trip to uh, Oregon last week, and I, I had a bunch of great events out there. I did a reading at Powell's uh, City of Books in Portland, which is unbelievable, mind blowing bookstore. Um, and I was on the a morning show uh, out there, uh, AM Northwest, which is really fun. And I did a couple of fermentation workshops. Uh, Oregon's obviously, you know, a, a, an area that's ripe for fermentation right now. And 
very interested group of people. Did you get to check out breweries, or what, what were some of your local, did you get to check anything out locally? Uh, I did stop, you know, for beers. Honestly, I get so much brewery time in my life that I I was really more about the, the nature and the hiking. I mean, I'm a, a huge hiker and an avid nature lover, so I was more about driving to, to mountains while I was out there. But, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of breweries, and, and a lot of breweries making great beer out there. Um, and I, I did get to drink a good amount of it. Cool. What was yeah. your favorite hike or kind of outdoor uh, area? My favorite, my favorite hiking experience was kind of a a two parter where I I drove through the Columbia River Gorge, the Hood River Valley, uh, at sunset one night, and it was just staggeringly beautiful. I almost crashed my car the entire hour and a half of driving because <laughs> oh just like looking out the window, like in disbelief at how gorgeous it was, uh, pun intended. And then uh, the next morning. I drove to Trillium Lake below Mount Hood at sunrise um, and just watched the sunrise over the mountains. The mountains out there are so, so prominent compared to the mountains we have here out east. Um, They're real mountains. Just, we have like, really, yeah. you know, old Yeah, mountains our mountains here. are much older, millions and millions <laughs> yeah. of years older, which is really cool to know in itself, but less dramatic when you're taking pictures of it. So just those prominent volcanic mountains out there are unbelievable. Um, so what fermentation workshops did you get? Um, so I did one at uh, People's Co-op out there um, and at a, a, a kind of hobby farm a little bit outside of the city. I did uh, a few weeks ago a fermentation workshop at Brooklyn Grange, actually, uh, oh, nice. in Brooklyn. Oh, awesome. Largest yeah. rooftop farm in the world. Awesome space if you, if you haven't been there. Um, yeah, and that went really well. I mean, we sold out the workshop. Uh, actually before any of us had started promoting it even. Again, just based on fermentation being so, you know, so in right now. Um, and we were, I think, planning to do uh, do some more in the winter. Um, with Brooklyn Grange? With Brooklyn Grange, yeah. So, yeah. keep our listeners updated on those. For sure, yeah. I mean, they, they're, they've been really exciting to do. People are really interested. It's always a great crowd of people with a lot of questions. So it's yeah. uh, the workshops, I find, are kind of the best best types of event. What, what sections from your book have you been reading? <laughs> uh, that's a, a debate that I've been kind of trying to figure right, out. Yeah. I read um, the chapter that was like kind of about me trying to figure out what my diet was now because I thought that was a good encapsulation of like kind of what I was eating. People always ask like, "What did you actually eat?" Uh, and that explained that, and also that just got into the challenges of the diet in the year. Uh, and then at Pals in Portland, I read the uh, from the rotten shark meat tra- chapter, oh, yeah. my trip yeah, to yeah. Iceland which, you know, has some good comedy in the extreme ends of fermentation. So uh, I thought that was, uh, you know, a more entertaining type selection. Awesome. So people can get your book at bookstores and online? Wherever books are sold, hopefully. I mean... Yeah. And if it's not, you should ask for it. You, sh- you can ask for it. I mean, yeah, I can- can't guarantee that every independent bookstore in the country has it. But uh, it's an Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and, and pretty much all the independent bookstores that I've been to. So. Awesome. Want to say what it's called one more time? Oh, yeah, it is called The Fermented Man by Derek Dellinger. Um, look for it. Ask for it. Hopefully enjoy it. Yeah, it's very, it's really, it's a narrative. Um, yeah. It's just a narrative uh, story about it. It's a very natural read. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's meant to be, right. It's meant to be both entertaining and informative rather than just kind of a a cookbook. So I wanted to, you know, write, have a story to tell along with uh, introducing people to fermentation. Cool. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. And we look forward to seeing you in Brooklyn sometime. Excellent. Cheers.
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for forgiveness, you clutch to your burden, her water's a baby.